The holiday season from Thanksgiving through Christmas evokes in most people a cheery and joy-filled picture reminiscent of a Courier and Ives painting or the beauty of a Budweiser commercial. We gather together with family and with friends in the hopes of joyfully and peacefully celebrating the feast. The reality is that holiday time is often difficult and sometimes even painful for many people. Our personality rises to the fore and we behave in ways that we wish we could change. Welcome everyone to the Enneagram Journey Podcast, the holiday edition. I love uh, giving the Reverend a little bit of a hard time about that intro. That is the introduction from the, what I guess is like, I don't know, the 2012-2011 version of Enneagram and Holidays with Suzanne Stabile. There's a more updated version that you'll get to hear a part of in today's episode. What makes today's episode a little bit more special is you're going to hear several voices. I took a couple of microphones to the Stabile family Thanksgiving get-together and I set them out, and a few of the family members chimed in uh, about the holidays, including some from the little kids, which I love to hear, and that we kind of have that permanently available now. I can see Josephine asking to hear it more than once in the upcoming days. So you'll hear from different family members, and then uh, Joe and Suzanne are going to talk about how the holidays have changed for them over the seasons. And then the second half of the podcast is the first part, of Suzanne's Enneagram and the Holidays teaching. Uh, it was streamed live online in 2019 after a group of people joined together and watched the Family Stone here at the Micah Center. And the cool thing about that night, I didn't expect anybody to show up for the movie. I just thought people would be like, all right, they're going to show a movie and then we'll get there for when Suzanne starts her teaching. Packed House. Movie Packed House. It was so much fun. I swear it was like nobody had ever seen it either. Everyone laughed. We all, I mean, some people cried. I didn't. That should not shock you. A lot of fun. Great recording. And uh, you can hear a part of that today. Before we get to today's podcast and all the family and all the things and all the stuff, we are less than a month away from the first stop on the podcast and book teaching tour, The Enneagram Journey Toward Wholeness. Richmond, Virginia. Birmingham, Alabama, Houston, Texas. Registration and tickets are all up and available for those stops. We'll get to speak with Teresa and Scott McBean from the North Star Community, Jamie Golden from the Popcast, and Aaron and Kelly from the Renewal Center on the Friday nights. And Suzanne's going to be teaching on her new book, The Journey Toward Wholeness, on Saturday. Let's get together. Let's grow some community. Learn from each other. Learn from Suzanne. And, of course, we've got to have some fun. Uh, find registration at lifeinthetrinityministry.com slash tour22. And you, of course, can find the link in the show notes and all over uh, Suzanne and the Enneagram Journey podcast social media. From everyone here at Life in the Trinity Ministry, we're wishing you a happy holiday season, and we hope you enjoy today's show. Who are you? Please say your name, your age, uh, who you are in the family. My name's Piper, and my and my mom's name is Jenny. My dad's name is Corey, and I am seven years old, about to be eight in December. Nice. What grade are you in in school? Second. Second grade. So, what's your favorite holiday? Favorite holiday is Christmas because my birthday is close to Christmas. Okay, and you like Christmas better than your birthday? 
<laughs> when is your what day is your birthday? December twenty first. Oh my gosh, it's so close. You, you and Jesus were almost born on the same day. <laughs> Some people get upset when their birthday is right around Christmas because they only get one present instead of like a birthday present and a Christmas present. They just get like one thing. Does that happen to you ever? No. That doesn't happen. People make sure to get you two. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. What is your favorite part? about being with your family on the holidays? My favorite part is spending time with them and eating with them around everyone. What is the hardest part about being around? Because we got, we got a lot of people in the house today, don't we? The hardest part is I tell everyone most of my things and I only want to tell um, only a little bit of them because it makes me some embarrassed. People want to hear all about you and you're like... Um, well, yeah, they ask a lot of questions over it sometimes, and I tell them some of them, and I get embarrassed sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, you get a little shy, even though it's your family? Yes. Okay. All right, well, if you will hand the microphone to your friend there. All right, and what is your name? Josie. What's your whole name? Josie is Seuss And how old are you, Josephine? Three. And who, who is your family? I know you got to say, so you got your mom, your dad, I'm your dad, brothers and sisters? Yep. How many and who are they? Uh, My family. Yeah. And you've got an older brother, Jace, who's eight, an older sister, Jolie, who's nine, and the biggest sister, Gracie, who's 11. But Gracie and Jace are with other parts of their family today. It's just you and Jolie here today, huh? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And what day is today? Thursday. Thursday, that's right. But what holiday is it? Uh, it's your dad's favorite. Um, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, that's right. You got to hold it right there, okay? Okay. All right. What is your favorite part about our whole family getting together at uh, holidays? Playing and skipping. Playing and skipping? So what's the hardest part about today? I don't like dogs. There's a dog here and you don't like them? Yep. Even though we have two big old doggies at home, yep. who, who you love. What uh, What's your favorite food to eat on the holidays? Last question. Uh, macaroni. And what's your favorite food to eat? My favorite food to eat is cookies. Cookies. Nice. All right. Well, happy holidays. Thank you. You bet. What? To me. Oh, happy holidays. <laughs> midday we're still waiting on a family but in the tradition of our family and holiday get-togethers the food just goes out and you gather around the food and uh gathered around this table right now uh, we'll go ahead and start with the and voice you'll recognize you know identify yourself enneagram number and so on um i'm the enneagram godmother i'm suzanne i'm mom i'm uh grams uh, I'm Sue's. I think that covers them all. And I'm a two. And uh, who's this gentleman here on your right? This is my son-in-law, Devin. And he is a one. I'm a one. Yes. And Devin, how old are you? Who are you married to? What's going on? Give us give us a little bio. I'm 42, married to BJ. Um, we've been married for seven years. 
he keeps saying eight, but it's seven. It does feel like eight. You've got a good, you've got a good NPR voice. I'm gonna need you to own your space. We're we're more. Yeah, owning the space is really hard. Excellent. <laughs> now we're into it. Okay. <laughs> so why is it hard? Do you think for you to own space? Well, maybe it's the nine ring. I don't know, but I talk all week. I guess maybe I don't know. I talk all week, and I can still own the space. <laughs> you think it's because I'm an extrovert and you're an introvert has a lot to do with being an introvert yeah so uh seven years you've been part of this family our family uh, would you as a one have done this conversation any other year probably not probably would have if i had known it i'd have been like oh i feel sick i'm staying home today <laughs> Yes. Sitting here next to me, another familiar voice that uh, listeners of the podcast have heard before. Can you please identify yourself, ma'am? I'm Carolyn. I'm five on the Enneagram. People know you, I think, as Suzanne's oldest friend. Yes, absolutely. All right, and so it's Thanksgiving Day, which I've already stated, and Carolyn has spent at least the last 30-something years of holidays that I know of with with family, and I guess that happened before I was born. Joey's 42? Three. Joey's 43. Joey was born in 1978, and that math makes it 43. And uh, we're putting that out on the air for her. So <laughs> She'll love that. Yeah. She's not here yet. That's what happens when you show up late. Yeah, I'm telling you. Let me go. I'm going to be self-deprecating so that later on when we start roasting everybody else, I can have a clear conscience about it. We were little, so we have always drawn names amongst the siblings. It's the, I think, was the first reason why y'all did it, just because of financially, that was the only way we could do it. We've always drawn names, and when we were real little, it was in Leonard, and Leonard for me was basically, I didn't get held back, but third grade. We were there for three years, but they were all third grade for me for some reason. So I'm going to say third grade for this story. And we drew names, and I drew Jenny. And I don't remember if I just made a bad face. I made a terrible face. First of all, it's supposed to be a secret. So how she knew that I had drawn her and then made the face. So we, we, drew the, we drew the names. I made a face. And then the whole family was just, rightfully so, livid with me. And why, you know, why would I not want to draw her name? I, but that, that's a big memory for me. Is that one? Giuseppe, yeah. come, come over here a minute. One of my memories, which was asked of Carolyn and not me, but one of my memories was the year our tree kept falling over. Our Christmas tree kept falling over. It just fell over, over and over. But I don't, how many overs? It probably fell over five times. And then we just, did we take it down or nail it to something? We took it down and put it out in the trash before Christmas. Real quick, did you propose to nail it to something? <laughs> I think I suggested that we could, like, put screws in the wall, you know, and tie it to the wall. And I said, no, we're getting rid of the damn thing. <laughs> it, it went out several days, maybe a week before Christmas, because that was the Christmas that we took the whole family to uh, ski in, in New Mexico. Oh, okay, that so this was, a whole was other more problem. recent yeah. story. 
We weren't yeah. going to be there on Christmas Day. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. One of the questions that we've I've been asking of the children, your favorite part about the whole family getting together for the holidays, and then what's your least favorite part about the whole family, the hardest part about everyone being together on a holiday? My favorite part is that I guess it's like somebody who has a lot of investments and they get their end of the year, here's all the stuff that's so great because you invested in this. And, you know, we don't have any of those. But when we're all together for a holiday, for Dad and me, it's our investment of our lives together. And it's it's such a great payoff. Like, it's just so great. And we we literally... We do it every time, so I know one of us will say it tonight, probably Dad. But we'll be back home and tired and laying in bed, and Dad usually says, look what we did. And it's so great. For me, the hardest part, it used to be hard because it was at our house and we were exhausted, and we were we had been up since 5, and we finished cleaning up at midnight. But now that the big holidays are not at our house anymore we um i think the hard part for me is that my mom isn't still here she loved it so much and she lived 11 years longer than my dad so she's with us a lot and i i can't do this without missing her my favorite part is just being with the people that i love most in this world period the end i mean i just love the time Unfavorite, what'd you call it? Hardest part. Hardest part about, you know, the, the whole family getting together. Okay, the hardest part, but it's not really hard. It's weird. Being a five, sometimes when the kids are all just going bonkers, it's nice to walk out and get my quiet car and go to my quiet house. But I love the kids going bonkers, too, so it's a mixed. Okay, as you, since you brought up being a five... I was having a conversation recently with a friend, Chad Mustaine, another friend of the podcast, uh, the Anagram Journey Zone, and we were talking, and he was talking about, he's a one, about going to seven space on the holidays, and how he, sometimes even, it sounds like a very seven thing, like he's already there, that he tells his family to be prepared, like, this is happening, and I started thinking about it, I was like, especially on Thanksgiving, and if I haven't said it yet, into this microphone today, best holiday of the year is Thanksgiving hands down it's not even close and I was telling him how much I love I really identify with the five energy where I, I withdraw like everyone will be in here and then I will withdraw to another room and hear what's going on and feel like part to come in and just grab a snack say something to somebody and then go back go outside and smoke my cigar and if people come out they're great and if they don't that's super good too and just that that fiveness is so i get to enjoy it here whereas you going back to fiveness is your core number and going back home so we're just going to continue the day the first football game's already over and uh looking over there at this hot blonde in the kitchen and uh so i think i'll float that way and uh grab a drink and snack and we'll keep the day going Love you guys. Uh, will you please identify yourself and, you know, t- 
tell everyone which family you're in and all and your age and where you go to school, what grade you're in, what your hobbies are, so on. Let's let's hear it. Um, I'm Elle McNulty. I am 11. I go to St. Andrew's Catholic School, and I'm in sixth grade. Um, I am daughter of Jenny McNulty, and um, and I'm in sixth grade. Do you have a father? Yes. Okay. Corey McNulty. <laughs> All right. And how about you, ma'am? Um, hi, I'm jo- Jolie. Um, I go to Birmingham Elementary in Wiley. I'm at nine years old, and my dad's name is Joel, and my mom's name is uh, uh, Tiffany, and stepmom, Whitney. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good job. Okay, and y'all are both, all right, so let's start with this. Y'all are both- Oh, m- I'm in fourth grade. In fourth grade, nice. Y'all are both middle children, correct? So, L, you got Piper on the younger than you, and you got big brother Noah, and then Jolie Bean, you've got uh, Gracie, older than you, and then you got Jace and Josephine on on the other side of you. Is it hard or easy, or what's easy and hard about being the middle child? You have two different types of annoying. <laughs> is, that, is that the hard part? Yes. Okay. There's always someone you can rule over and someone that rules over you. Mm-hmm. So you get upset when you have to get in the back seat when Gracie's around, and then yes. when she's not, then you're back in the front seat? Or, or also, I have to be nice to Jace. You get to be nice to Jace. He's your brother. <laughs> yeah. All right, so it's today's Thanksgiving Day. We're all here together. The shoes are on their way still. What is your favorite part about the whole family getting together and doing the holidays together? What's your favorite part? Grams and granddaddies. Fruit pie or fruit salad. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> getting to getting to be together, probably. Yeah, but like, what what about being together? Food. <laughs> food. You, you want to hear? You want to hear a story about that fruit salad and me? Sure. So when I was, I don't know, we'll say eighteen, nineteen, and I was going to school at Hendricks in Arkansas, and basketball season's right now during the holidays, and I got to come home for just the weekend. <laughs> For Thanksgiving, before having to go back for practices and games and whatnot. That year, the family was nice enough to celebrate Thanksgiving, not on Thanksgiving Day. And so we celebrate Thanksgiving. They're taking me back to the airport, and Graham's packed me up. This is back when you could still take food and stuff into the airport. Graham's had made me this gallon Ziploc bag full of the fruit salad. And I was like so excited. I was like, man, I'm going to get back. To, I'll, I'll get to eat it this week at school and the rest of the, the cafeteria is closed so this is going to be so perfect well I got hungry while I was sitting there waiting for my flight and I didn't have a spoon or anything and I just sucked the, <laughs> the fruit salad and I ate the whole gallon bag of fruit salad while I waited on my flight <laughs> and didn't even get to take any home so I like the fruit salad too alright Bean what is your favorite part about the holidays in general? So it doesn't have to be just Thanksgiving. Presents. Well, today you're not getting a present. We are being present, aren't we? So that's a little different. That's See, nice. See, I told you. Being present. Being present. Present. Pumpkin pie, of course. All pie and croissants. And also that I get to, well, we, we do see each other a lot, 
but we don't see each other a lot. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's fun. Yeah, getting to hang out with your cousins. You know, it's not like we get to see them every week. Also, it's not like a normal day. It's like, yippee. Oh, yeah, it is. Well, today's the greatest day of the year. I've already told you all that. I disagree with that. <laughs> Very much. By a lot. Okay, what's the toughest part about the holidays and ha- and having siblings and cousins and all the family? What's the hardest part about it? Um, I don't know. It's really crowded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's really all. You got anything? That most of the time there's a lot of arguing and like the youngest, so like Josie and Piper, they cry. Or someone gets mad and like runs off. It seems like that gets worse by the, as the day goes on. Yeah. Like early on, it's really great. And then, I don't know, tonight around like 9 o'clock. It's gonna, Piper's and Josie are going to cry. So We'll see. We'll see. They're doing really well right now. Well, well yeah. <laughs> what Do you have a favorite holiday memory? Yes. What is it? It was Christmas, and we were all opening presents, and you were in, like, the kitchen or something, and then Josie threw a box, and it landed on my head, and then I fell, and the box hit me, and it was hilarious. <laughs> okay. Seems like a, a favorite type of Adam Sandler type favorite memory. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just have, like, a really, like, sad memory of my sister whenever she, <laughs> we had gotten electric scooters a couple years ago for Christmas, and... Um, and my sister, she was riding around on hers, and <laughs> she fell. And then she, I thought she was crying, but she was actually bursting out in laughter because she had hit her head, so I don't know why that's funny, but... <laughs> and that's your that's your biggest yeah. <laughs> holiday memory, is your little sister falling off the scooter and laughing. I don't laughing. know, it's just what comes to my mind. Okay. Hey, I'm not here to judge your memories. <laughs> all right, well, hey, thank you all so much. You're not good at volleyball. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm Whitney Stabile, married to Joel, and I'm an Enneagram One. Billy, did you know that? Yep. <laughs> and who are you, Billy? I'm Billy Huey. I'm an Enneagram Nine. I'm married to Joey, who's the oldest daughter of Joe and Suzanne. Mm-hmm. So you've been in the family for a long time. Yes, yes. It's like from the beginning. A lot of Thanksgivings, yeah. Um... So I'm an only child, so when I was growing up, I did have extended family come, but it was always pretty small, always pretty quiet, and, um, you know, when I joined this family, <laughs> it got bigger and louder. <laughs> <laughs> and I can definitely say that that was my experience as well. I mean, I have siblings, but I don't think we have any aggressive numbers in my family, like even my siblings and their spouses. So it's like a pretty passive, we just kind of sit around and watch TV and eat, and it's pretty quiet, pretty tame. Yeah, that's that's how it was in my house. I mean, it. there was, yeah, again, really quiet and pretty chill. And that's, you know, nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing wrong with this. I will say that as a, as a nine and a withdrawing number, it plays itself out at family gatherings just like it does in everyday life in that I find myself just kind of in the periphery. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of dishes. <laughs> I spend a lot of time with inanimate objects. Okay. There's no conflict involved there, and it's a way to contribute. Yep. It's like um, a way to withdraw but still be present. Exactly. Yep. Yep. 
and it's not <laughs> like I was physically not there. I was right there in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. But I was, you know, maybe not having a conversation or uh, digging deep into a family issue. I was just cleaning. Mm -hmm. Easy and non-confrontational. Yeah. I would say that one of the biggest differences, so I, you were the first one to join the family and I was the last one. So that's interesting. Yeah. One of the biggest differences about like my family gatherings or holidays versus the Stabile family gatherings and holidays is we have a lot more like deeper conversations in the Stabile house than we did at my house during gatherings. It wasn't like, you know, obviously we didn't know the Enneagram and all of that, but not a, not a ton of self-improvement conversations or talking about internal motivations or intentions about things or that happens a lot here. Yeah, for sure. The, we weren't <laughs> answering existential questions, <laughs> yeah. contemplating the meaning of life. It was just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who's one of the Lions game or the Cowboys game. Yeah. And it's, again, it, it's interesting because, um, for me, I dabble in those conversations. Like mm -hmm. I appreciate them mm -hmm. and I want to contribute to them. Mm -hmm. But with term limits also, like if it gets too deep and it gets, or it gets too loud or it gets too angry, I'm out. I'm out. It's, it's time to wash a pot. <laughs> <laughs> it gets too angry. Seriously? Yeah. And, I and it does. Yeah. And angry is a relative term. Mm -hmm. There are some numbers mm -hmm. who having a heated discussion feels good yeah and there's some me it doesn't <laughs> it does at not all feel good yeah no <laughs> feels the opposite of good less good um so funny. but th that's the that's the cool thing though knowing the enneagram and just kind of growing up and evolving and you know in your own personal growth understanding that you have to participate in those you mm -hmm. just do it because you know it's the right thing mm -hmm. and if it's uncomfortable that means probably something you should be participating in yeah it doesn't make it easier no no i think growing up as a kid and also like in my own family of origin christmas i'm probably more in seven space there yeah because i am not responsible for anything <laughs> right. yeah um but then you know, like here, like I'm trying to contribute, like I'm trying to do the right thing and like play the right role and, and all of yeah. all that comes along with that. And so it's not as, oh, I'm just going to like sit around and do what I want to do and not think about it. Right. Yeah, that is. I think there's a lot of a lot of inner dialogue about what I should or should not be doing. Interesting. Yep. And, yeah. And, and I think that's also as I've gotten older with my family of origin um, holidays too, because I have kids. And so now it's not like I just can't just go over to my parents' house and just chill because now I have children and you have to adult. Yeah. I have to, I have to be an adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's been interesting for me too, because we were talking about this today when I was a kid on Thanksgiving, especially as an only child, like I just, I never have a job. Mm -hmm. I would have, help but there just wasn't a whole lot to do and i just never was asked <clears throat> and now there's always a lot to do mm -hmm. there is no just kind of sitting around and then if i did sit around like i would feel guilty about it mm -hmm. so i think that's i think 
For me, I have a pretty significant one wing, I think. Mm. In that, I'm not a one at all, but I do like to control little pockets of my world. Sure. That's why the dishes at gatherings are perfect for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing something. I'm doing something practical. I'm doing something right. And I'm right there. But yet I'm really not. Yeah. It's a nine because I'm withdrawing. Yeah. Um, and making, I think in a similar way, I think I have learned that I have more of a nine wing than I realized or I'm like really coming into it. Because I think that I can, like in the middle of people, just be like totally in my head and shut down. Like that's how I have always been at Super Bowl gatherings, which I know is not a hol- not holiday holiday. Kind of in the United States, it kind of is. Yes, yeah. but I don't like football, and so watching the game is not enjoyable yeah. for me. So I literally just sit there and stare at the TV, <laughs> <laughs> and people think I'm watching, but I'm like not paying in. Like just my brain is shut off, and people are like, "Who won the game last night?" And like I have no idea. Well, that's at least you're just watching a game like i look at people in the eye that are talking to me (laughs) and zone out and not listen and not take in any of it and then i'm responsible for the information that i didn't receive later on yes so yeah so that's pretty interesting the one with a nine wing you're zoning out but like to inanimate things oh yeah and then a nine with one wing like i'm analyzing and overdoing from Mm -hmm. time to time but Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. really like these weird quirky nefarious like tertiary things yeah i guess i don't know yeah the only other thing i was gonna say is i don't think this is oneness but i think it is going from a kid to an adult Mm -hmm. is that like the magic of especially of christmas that was always my favorite the magic of christmas i just thought was like it was just christmas like the time itself was just magical and then as i became an adult and especially a parent realizing that the magic of christmas was my parents made the magic of christmas and now it's, i have to make the magic of christmas like it's not just going to show up i don't think that's the one thing because i feel that too and i think it's just about becoming an adult because yeah. um it's the same kind of deal like um when we're doing the elfster stuff it's mm-hmm. like gifts we're talking about gifts giving gifts receiving gifts like the holiday season mm-hmm. is upon us like the magic of christmas is a mm-hmm. great way to put it that just subsides it just wanes mm-hmm. if you let it i think i think a part of it has to because it transfers yeah the magic transfers like you don't receive as much you give more and that's what makes it cool for your kids the yeah. magic's you know it's it's passed on but I also think if you're not careful, I know for me as a nine, like whose tendency is to zone out and withdraw, I can become numb to even something like Christmas. Oh no. Where it's like this great day and this mm-hmm. great opportunity to be around family and friends and then you like really soak up what it's all about. But I can also use it as an excuse, not an excuse. I can fail to like fully engage in it. Yeah. And that's, that sounds pretty awful. So I, I catch myself, like, mm-hmm. like I don't do that. So you're kind of tapping into the previously held magic that you want, that I once had, I guess. But I don't think, sorry, Dan. No, you it's know, fine. To, to address what you said, I don't think it's one thing. I think yeah. it's an adult thing. Yeah. But that's just one of the like lessons that I've had to learn, you know, the past 
eight years since I became a mom. It's like, the magic is what I make it. That's right. Yeah. You are now making magic. Yes. <laughs> and being doing dominant. I like do the magic. I create it for everyone. And especially, you know, even myself, I'm like, we are doing this because I want to do You're it. You're manufacturing the magic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good way to put that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. So this is Joey again, and I am sitting at the table now with some of my favorite people in the entire world starting with the oldest grandchild and my oldest child will shuey uh will shuey uh, i'm a four on the enneagram uh i'm sitting with my mom joey shuey who's an eight and uh two of my favorite cousins uh and just a few things about thanksgiving that i love is just being being with family and you know, it's it's definitely my favorite time of year during Thanksgiving and Christmas and during the holidays because I get to see all my family and we get to you know eat and watch football and just get to talk about life and stuff like that. Um, Thanksgiving is definitely uh, one of my favorite holidays because we get to eat so much um, and just get to you know be thankful for all the things that we have. Because uh, we're all very, this family's, uh, we're all very blessed in this family. So that's all well said, Will Shuey. So the other two um, cousins that Will was referring to are Piper, and how old are you, Piper? Seven. And Josie. How old are you, Josie? Three. And I'm gonna say before y'all talk, what we just did outside is one of the coolest moments I've had at a family holiday in a while. And when I was growing up with your mom, Piper, and your Aunt Jenny, we used to play colored eggs all the time. And I got to teach all that game, and it's so fun. It's just a glorified game of tag. Randomly, it's a big bad wolf who wants colored eggs. And if he guesses your color, then you run and he chases you. Um, but it was fun to play with these girls because what I love, I God blessed me with boys. He knew what he was doing for sure. But I have these amazing, independent, strong female nieces. And I love being with them at holidays. All right, girls, anything you want to say? Yes. Thank you, Aunt Joey. Um, My favorite part about Thanksgiving is hanging with my family. And this amazing mac and cheese. It's, like, really good. And I love the game Wolf and the Colored Eggs. It's really special. And Josie, do you want to say anything? Okay, come over here so we can – I'm, I'm just going to hand you the microphone, Josie. What do you like about thank, about Thanksgiving? Uh, uh. Me and my family hang on the trees and play the at, at home, and we fell on the bunk beds. You, were you playing on the bunk beds? And what do you love about seeing your cousin Will? Uh, singing Baby Shark. Singing Baby Shark. Definitely, we all know that song, don't we? Um, what I love about Will is that he's kind and sweet and that he, he helps other people and he's good to other people. He's nice to everyone and he helps other people. 
I think that's a great quality of Will Shuey. He is very kind to everyone. Will has space for everybody, doesn't he? Yep, he does. Okay, and Sam Shuey just walked in the door. Sam, if you'll jump on a mic and introduce yourself and talk about your favorite part of the holidays. Hi, I'm Sam Shuey, and my favorite part of Thanksgiving is Christmas to see my family and friends and the music. Thank you, Sam. Now, what would you, what would you like to, what else would you like to say on your microphone before we talk a little bit more? Nothing. Thank you. Now, Aunt Joey, do you have anything to say? Cause I do have something to say. One of the things I love about Christmas time with our family is we get to celebrate. Stop. A very special birthday. Whose birthday is around Christmas? Mine. Pip the slip. And we're done for now. Well, I am BJ, and I am the youngest uh, stipial child, and I am here with Joey, who is the oldest, and we're sitting around the table um, eating with uh, my husband, Devin, and Carolyn, and mom and dad, and we're just kind of reminiscing a little bit. Talking about family holidays. So I am the eldest, Joey, Stabile, now Shuey. Let's see, holiday memories. I remember when we went skiing. That was so fun. I remember <laughs> when we went skiing. Um, so let's, let's unpack that for a minute. Dad's at the table, too, and Dad hasn't actually uh, introduced himself yet, so. This is the Rev. The year we went skiing was the same year that the Christmas tree kept falling over, and we threw it out before Christmas. It was a one once-in-a-lifetime experience, Suzanne and I, saving all we could, take all of the kids, the whole family, on a Christmas ski trip. I'll let Joey tell you about it. Well, I'm going to go through my memories. So I remember it was New Mexico, so Angel Fire. Mm -hmm. Loved it. And I remember we were in a, we stayed where we could kind of ski in and ski out. And it was the first time any of us had been snow skiing, any of us in the family. Except I was for super all the upset. Kids, I mean, all the kid of the kids. I was super upset that they didn't give us pole, they didn't give you poles to actually ski with when you were learning how to ski. Because I was so little, I was too little to have That's the right. poles. And so it was for the kids, all of us, first time skiing, so fun. I remember getting, you know, just everything leading up to it, the ski bibs, because we'd just never done that as a family. So we're in Angel Fire, and I remember having a great time, and I remember feeling a little bit of alone because Jen was not with me because Jenny, we found out, got altitude sick. I'm bringing up the ski trip. So Jenny just walked up. So, which was interesting because I was usually the one to get if there was if there was altitude or vertigo kind of sickness to be had, it was me. But it was it was Jen. So we didn't get to tackle the mountains together like I wanted to. I missed that. I don't remember a whole lot about that ski trip, um, other than I remember I remember wanting to repeatedly do the bunny slope on a regular basis. And then I just kind of remember being, um, after we got done kind of skiing, and I, I don't know, I kind of, I don't really know why I don't rem really remember that trip a whole lot, but I don't. I don't have a lot of memories from that. 
So you know what memory just came to mind about that trip? Grandmother was still alive. And I remember her Christmas card to me. She, you know, whatever, whatever it is, was I don't even remember what was in the Christmas card, but I remember her saying, have fun and think of me as you're flying through the air. I remember that. She was awesome. Looking back, if any of this is going to have any ties to Enneagram, me being an eight and her being a five and us sharing a line, um, for me just explains a lot of why I always just felt so naturally close to her. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my memory for now. My, my memory, I think it was Christmas. It was, uh, it was for sure in Bowie and it snowed and it was a bad snow. And I remember grandmother and granddaddy Stabile were there and I th- I'm pretty sure it was holidays. And I remember putting on a puppet show. I, yes. Cause I got a puppet thing for Christmas. And, um, I remember putting on a big production of a puppet show and thinking that was the most fun and, um, knew that I was destined for the dramatic stage ever since. Yeah. Whoever got him the puppet theater that we probably started it there. <laughs> I was saying to the kids earlier who were at the table uh, that usually when we get home after a holiday and we're tired and laying in bed and one of us says to the other one, look what we did. Look what we did. We survived undisciplined daycare. No, I meant in the big picture with oh, all our children picture. and grandchildren. We made a day. We made it through the day. The whole family was together. We've been pretty good so far today because they haven't started kidding us about all the oh, things. Oh, it's coming though. You know it's done, coming. You yeah. Know, through the years. One of the things that I'm aware of is that I, um, I'm so entertained by all of them. And they're all so different from one another. And each one is just thoroughly entertaining. I mean of the 19, yeah. not... Just the littles. Everybody doing something different, but it's yeah. very entertaining yeah. Yeah. all the way along. Yeah. I just played Clue with um, some of the adult children and some of the grandchildren. And I was fascinated watching Piper that she she wants you to accuse her. She wants you to name her. She wants you to do anything with her just so something about her is being dealt with. Being dealt with yeah. in the process. Yeah. I think one of the greatest decisions is when we decided not to do this in our home anymore. Yeah, me too. It's better for everybody. It's better for the world that it's not in our home. What do you think about, uh, and how do you think this plays in? What do you think about us being a nine and two and both being other referenced on days like this? Do you think it's uh, kind of afloat and roll with what's happening or... Do you think it's, it doesn't matter to me when we do what? Like, where does the other referencing come in for you Merge, on merge, holidays? merge, 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 merge. But how do you merge with so many people? You just uh, go along with the flow of whatever's going on. 
if if it's at the table, then you go on with the flow of a game. If you're if it's the television, you go on the flow of a football game. Yeah. If it's in the dining room, I mean the kitchen, then you get in the flow of participating in cooking some of the meal. It's, it's just yeah. It's, it's really interesting to watch you because you've been in every room and outside and you've been part of everything that's happening at one point or another. Yeah, just flowing in different spots. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We're fixing to make gravy. That's the thing I still do. Dressing, gravy, and fruit salad are still my things. And I kind of don't want anybody to learn how. You know that. Learn how? Yeah. You know that need to be needed? Yeah. It's like I. It occurred to me when we were getting together our part to bring that I I don't want somebody to say, oh, let me do it this year. I want it to be the thing I do, maybe because it connects me to both, to three generations. Yeah. Because to my mom and yes, to our kids and, and our grandkids, yeah. Except nobody in the future knows how to do it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think jo- Joey and Jenny are becoming such good cooks. I think, I they think they'll pick it up. So what do you think has, if we took uh, the years in five-year increments, we would have, that would be seven times around there that we would need to talk about. So let's start and go backwards. You want to? So what do you think is different this year from five years ago? Um, Nothing too significant. Crowd's a little larger. And um, I don't know. Doesn't seem that much different than five years ago. I think we everybody is more comfortable than they were five years ago. That's true. I give you. Yeah. I, you know, our family is kind of solidified. With our youngest grandchild is gonna be four, so I think. There, there aren't changes happening mm-hmm. in terms of who, who who's in who's, our family. Who's going to show up? I think that's a change, and I think there's more peace among the grandchildren. They don't, they've kind of all found each other, and they don't make the other ones do things they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. I, as far as I know, there's been no tattling today, any child about any child. It's like they've kind of all found, and they kind of all take care of each other. It's that's always been an interesting thing to me because the grandchildren as cousins get along very well with each other. They take care of one another. They play with one another. They they've always done that. And for you and me coming from families where we didn't have cousins to interact with, it's really cool to see that that they do that so well. Yeah. Okay, can you go back 10 years? I'm trying to remember where we were 10 years ago. Well, we lived uh, in Richardson. We lived in Richardson. It yeah. was still at our house. I think it was about 10 years ago when I made the declaration we were no longer going to have everybody at our house. <laughs> I think it is just about 10 years ago. The, yeah, You should tell that story because you waited till dessert. That's right. We were at a Thanksgiving meal and I announced that uh, this was the very last holiday that we were going to celebrate in our home. And that we had four children, and they could each pick one of the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, Fourth of July, which they all did, which was wonderful. And um, they picked it rather promptly without too much 
discussion or argument about it. And then uh, the first holiday came up and it was Joey at her house for Christmas. And then I remember about two weeks before the holiday itself, her calling our house to ask if we were bringing dinner. <laughs> she said, do I need to fix any of the food? Do I need to fix any of the food? Oh, oh I'm, not, I'm not doing all the food. <laughs> so then that next year when uh, we had Thanksgiving here at Jenny's, that's the year they cooked the turkey upside, upside down. down. That's right. Yeah. And it tasted just as good. It was just as good, just upside down. Like an upside down pineapple cake. You know, upside down turkey. I think, um, you know, I, I don't, I guess because we all live Enneagram in a way, because it's so much a part of our lives. But I feel like I can't um, really not talk about the Enneagram. And I, lots of people come up to me on the road and to us and say, how is it that your family hangs together, works together, sticks together, stays together. Like, how do you do that? And I think it's because we know the Enneagram. I think it's because we in know part. the Enneagram in part. I think it's also in part um, because we worked very, very hard all those years when we were in little towns serving different churches of just seeing to it that it was a, a good celebration for us as a family and you and I incorporated traditions from our backgrounds together and decided that we would make our own family traditions, um, all of those, whatever they were, whether using Thanksgiving to change, exchange names for Christmas gifts or you cooking foods from your mom and dad and me bringing traditions of watching Macy's mm -hmm. Thanksgiving Day Parade from my family and mm -hmm. things like that and it just incorporated it all together to to make this is this is the stable way of doing holidays mm -hmm. our way our way, our way. Yeah. yeah if you now jump back 35 years first holiday that the two of y'all had with all four so BJ's a baby, the other three kids, and then kind of what was that like? Is there any sort of anagram reflection that you have from that now? Y'all weren't doing, I don't know if you knew the word anagram in 1985 um, or 88. But anyway, so reflecting on that, and did you ever, y'all aren't future-oriented thinkers, but did y'all think, hey, I wonder what Christmas and Thanksgiving of 2021 is going to look like? That wasn't even a thought in my mind. Um, I think, first of all, for me, it was unique to have my own family holiday. Yeah, our first Christmas, you weren't married. I mean, uh, BJ wasn't born yet. BJ wasn't, and, no. and I was pregnant and sick. Yeah. Like, pregnant sick. And you were just wide-eyed. About um, the whole everything. Thing. Well, talk about that with the scooter we got for Joel. Oh Lord! Very first Christmas, we Joel loved a, a scooter that you push one foot on the ground, one on the scooter, and he had an old wooden one that he just zoomed all over the creation with. So we thought it'd be great to get him a metal one for Christmas as a present. We bought it. 
brought it home, um, and it had to be put together. And I'm fresh out of the priesthood. I don't have tools. And what tools I have, like a screwdriver and uh, pliers. And it used metric tools to put it together. So I labored over putting that thing together until well into midnight. And at midnight, they had to go air up the tires. So I'm in the car, go to a gas station to air up tires. There's two or three ladies there, single moms with bicycles, having to air up tires, not knowing how. So I'm helping them air up their tires. I get home. By the time I get in bed, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, Christmas morning, and uh, we get to sleep. 4 o'clock in the morning, the kids show up in our bedroom, which is where the fireplace was, see if Santa Claus had come and what the gifts were. I remember sitting up in bed and looking at you and saying, celibacy wasn't that bad. That's right. You've only said it twice, and that was one of the two times. <laughs> yeah. And it was, but it was at a time, you know, because the truth is when you and I got married, we didn't have two nickels to put together. And, and trying to make Christmas special, trying to um, make it into a holiday for ourselves and for the kids, uh, and never, ever possibly, it was the widest, farthest thing from my mind, dreaming that 2021, we'd have four married children and nine grandchildren and all of us get together, all of us living in the same Metroplex, getting together for the holidays mm -hmm. at one another's homes and uh, loving it all and enjoying one another the way we do. Yeah. And now it's it's unique to watch them because, you know, Will is now 15 years old, and you know you're you start out with little bitty children, and then all of a sudden your grandchildren are teenagers, and yeah. you think, oh my gosh, where's time gone, mm -hmm. and what has happened, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I am kind of glad. I, I, well, I think there's two sides to everything. And there's certainly two sides to um, our orientation to time. Yours to the past and mine to the present. Neither one of us oriented to the future. But I think that that meant that we didn't have very many expectations. Except that, by golly, we're all going to be good to each other. Yeah. Beyond that, we'll figure it out. But we are going to be good to each other. And we, you know, we all grow in and out of what that means. When the chips are down, these 19 human beings are really good to each other. And I, that's it for me. If I could have planned the future, that's what I would have wanted. And that's the only thing we've ever stuck to. We just didn't have a plan. Yeah. The most future moment you, we had just the other day, you and I, when we realized that this year Christmas Eve service is going to be at 7.30 in the evening and then I'll be home and that it's the first time since I was 18 years old to be home on Christmas Eve. 
Before midnight. Before midnight. Or one o'clock. Or, or one or two in the morning. Yeah, I said to you, when you realized that, I said, well, what should we do? And you said, go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do all those other years. Just get some sleep. Get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you'll miss it, though. I guess I if we think. miss it, we could just go to Midnight Mass somewhere. Yeah, we could, but I don't think we will. I don't think we'll miss it. Yeah. No, not the way we do life. For me, it's it's like looking backwards. It's like, um, oh, look who we got for Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. Like, look who's new this year. Yeah, in the family. Look what's new yeah. this year. And to the person, they're such gifts. And, you know, I, I think the Enneagram is uh, super helpful. And we don't know about the littles yet, but the thing that I'm aware of is that it seems important occasionally to say the Enneagram's helpful. Underneath that, we're all trying to be good humans. Not, you know, healthy in our number, good humans. And it helps that we have two therapists in the family and Enneagram teachers in the family and... Um, and you never could have foreseen it. If somebody had laid down on a... We just finished playing Clue, so I can use that as an example. If somebody 20 years ago had said, the future looks like this. Suzanne and Joel working together at the Micah Center with Enneagram work and podcasts and all of that, then... If you said, can anybody disprove that? Everybody would have said. Say sure. I, I can't disprove <laughs> it, but I doubt it. <laughs> and I Over think, my dead body. <laughs> and I think part of that is about the fact that as other reference numbers, we have allowed things to develop rather than trying to make things happen for the most part. That's true. That, and that's the... That's the truth of life in the Trinity Ministries. And us. And us. You and I see that as as gift and grace. And so our position has always been to choose to do the next right thing, whatever Mm -hmm. the next right thing to do is, and to be as prayerful and discerning about the next right thing. And I think we do that about family. We do that about holidays. We do that about everything that we choose to do, uh, sometimes more successfully than others, but um, that's the way we move forward. What I, I want to know, I don't know if we can do this or not, but I think I could say what I think the most challenging thing was our first five years. What do you think in each of the five-year periods, you think we could figure out what we think was most challenging? First five years was, okay, first 10 years first 10 years the most challenging thing was moves and money true moves and money because we had a lot of moves and a little money yep yep yes moving houses five times in eight years moving bedrooms moving schools yeah moving if we stayed longer than a year i just switched everybody's bedroom (laughs) yeah there was a lot of moving we moved five times in eight years and in ministry and that was that was difficult because the kids moved in lots of different school systems mm-hmm. over those years second 10 years I think it was kids leaving home yeah it was 
Um, Coming back home. Money, again. <laughs> money all, for college. Money money stayed money. there for a long time. Money. But it it was the, the movement of in and out of the house in terms of kids going away to school, kids getting on coming home, kids going to get married, finding new jobs. You know, I, I bristle a little bit most of the time when people are struggling financially and th- there is a, 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 a Christian group of people who say, well, God will provide. And I get a little, you know... I, yeah, but you you got to do your own providing. Like, you got to work, right? And I have to say, though, having put the disclaimer there, all the big things, God provided at just the right time. I remember when Joey got into Hendrix, we went and sat in the bedroom and sobbed. We were both sobbing yeah. because we didn't know how we were going to pay for that. Yeah. And then it was just a few years later that Jenny and Joel had the chance to go with our bishop to Tizay, France. And we thought, where, where are we going to get the money for this? And we had enough for one to go and not enough for the other. And you kept saying, it's going to all work out. And it just pissed me off. It's like, really? How how you figure this is going to work out? And you said, I just really think we discerned this right, and it's going to all work out. And it all worked out. Yeah. It all, no matter what, it all worked out. I think another piece, a big piece of the ten, the second ten years, was for us. It was uh, two types of of loss. One was parents. We lost all of our parents in that ten year period, and um, at the same time, it was the kids going away and going off to school and getting married. So, empty nester kind of thing sort of hit us uh, with the realization also of not having some authority figure over us in terms of parents kind of situation. Yeah, it was tricky. Losing losing parents was really tricky. Yeah. I think the last 10 years has been the realization of, of you and me growing into and accepting the position as um, the elders mm-hmm. and going into the realization of uh, getting older and the allowing then uh, our our children to begin to take over roles that we once held Mm -hmm. ourselves. And it's something that we believe strongly, not just in living it out in our own family, Mm -hmm. but that it was time for those of us in the baby boom generation to let the next generation coming up Mm -hmm. have their day because we certainly had ours. You know, I'm all about, and I easily and readily and handily talk about how much I love our kids and our grandkids and how good I think they are. I have a lot of respect for our children. I have a lot of respect for our daughter-in-law and our sons-in-law. 
I just respect them. I like the way they work at life and work at their relationships. And because we're not tied to our histories, me because of adoption in part, but because we're not really tied to our histories, sometimes I feel like this starts with us. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think it's such a good start. I agree. I agree with you. And I am like you. I am proud of all of them. I'm proud of the children. I'm proud of their spouses. I'm proud of all the grandchildren. I I just get to sit back and watch it and observe it and look at all of it and say, "Wow, look at look at what we've done. Look at where we are. Look at who we are and be very proud of all of that." What makes you so tender between Thanksgiving and Christmas, because I got that coming. You get very tender and emotional between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think part of a big part of it for me is that uh, for many, many years in my life, those holidays were celebrated solitarily. Mm-hmm. And while in the community, it was very different th- than being in a family and being with people with whom you are intimate and very loving and caring. And um, I tie that for me with the liturgical aspect of, mm-hmm. I think, of being involved in the church, the, the liturgical celebrations of the holidays are also extremely important to me. I was thinking about it today just in in terms of um, just gratitude. Today is just for me, I mean, we call it Thanksgiving, yeah, obviously, but gratitude is the word. And um, I'm grateful for where we are, who we are, how we are, all of us, all 19 of us. And uh, when I think of gratitude today, both our family and other people that we're dear friends with just keep coming to mind. And it, there's the only, the only word is, is gratitude, thanks, grateful. Well, our family is going to be grateful if I get up and go make the gravy. Yeah, and I'll so help So i got to go do that. All righty. Well, it's been great talking about yeah, it the has holidays. Been. We can go to sleep when we get home tonight instead of talking about all this. this is, that's true, and get ready for... Christmas when we get to do this all over again. I love you. Thank you for doing family with me. I love you. Thank you for doing family with me. Okay. I'm one of those people, if you're familiar with my teaching at all, that kind of really believes in telling the truth. And sometimes that is a great thing, and people just love it, and sometimes it gets me in trouble, but I just consistently do it all the time anyway. And the truth is, holidays are really hard. And I can't say that I've ever experienced a holiday that's like the Budweiser commercial, you know, where it's snowing, and you come in with the sleigh and all the gifts, nor have I ever experienced the commercial where it's snowing, and I go outside, and Joe bought me a new car, and there's a bow on it. (laughs) (laughs) 
nor have I ever experienced the holiday where everybody is at the table that seats 400 people <laughs> and everybody's happy and behaving politely and saying, could you please pass the salad? So there are 19 of us and we all live right here in the area. We have four children, they're all married and we have nine grandchildren. I don't think there is a story in the world of 19 people ever getting along for a whole day. However, there are times and days when the children do better than the adults do. And that's because of some of the things I'm going to talk to you about tonight. And the other reality is there's just a lot going on at holiday time. So I think we have a better chance of having a survivable Christmas if we talk about things that we could do differently that have to do with our Enneagram numbers. There's the idea of the holidays. And then there's the reality. And unless family members have done work independently and families have done work collectively, then the first thing that happens is we intuitively and almost immediately refer to our family roles from childhood, which is fascinating. Our children range in age from 31 to 41, and it takes about 20 minutes for them to be back in their roles that they've been in since they were little, doing the same things to antagonize one another that they've been doing since they were little. And we're a healthy family. I mean, as healthy as a family can be. We're not a healthy family. That was just rude and not true. But <laughs> we're a family that does our work. And so if we struggle, then I figure families that aren't doing any work also struggle. So I think we have to recognize that we work all year to be uh, better and more healthy and more mature and kinder and all of that. And then we've kind of gotten rid of some personality and we have a, a little bit more wholeness in our lives. And that includes new understanding and maturity and growth. And it's tentatively part of who we are. And then we immediately lose ourselves when we choose pleasing for safety. And the minute we add the holiday fluff on top of family reality, we, with a couple of exceptions, choose pleasing over our own safety. If you're participating in this event, then I think it must be because you are already doing work to be a healthier, more content, more compassionate person. And so I hope while we're talking that you'll care for yourself and therefore those around you. And I hope that you will just think about you for the first hour. And it's so hard not to think about your mother-in-law or your uh, mom or your aunt, or your uncle who behaves badly every year, or, or, or. It's like you start preparing for that before Thanksgiving gets here. One of my favorite uh, parts of another movie that we love that has a name that we watch at Christmas time, Home for the Holidays. 
And in Home for the Holidays, the matriarch of the family ends up in this pantry where you can close the door. And one daughter is in there with her, and the mother's smoking, and so it's smoky, and there's canned vegetables everywhere. And the mother's all whipped up, and the daughter's trying to talk to her. And the mother talks about trying to get through the day, which is Thanksgiving. And then she says, and then, if this wasn't enough, they went ahead and put Christmas right after this. (laughs) And so now we have to do it all over again. And so I think if we could say, you know, Christmas is a really hard time. And I'm just going to try to do my part. I'm the only person I can be in control of. I'm the only person I'm responsible for. But I'm going to try to do my part to have the holidays be better this year. And as soon as I start teaching, you are going to have a part of you that's thinking about how you can help family members do their part so that you can have a better holiday. If they're not here within punchable distance, they're not going to reap the benefit of tonight. So don't hold out for that. So I want to start now that we've done all of that with talking about where your attention goes. When you enter the door or as your guests enter the door at your house or if you're all waking up in one house as everybody gets up and starts together, as soon as everything starts, whatever that means, then your attention by Enneagram number goes to a certain place. And if you're a one on the Enneagram, your attention immediately goes to what's right and what's wrong and what needs improvement. Now, If you are a mother or a mother-in-law of daughters or daughter-in-laws who have been getting ready for the day and you walk by the table, you turn the centerpiece just a bit. That's a good response. (laughs) And you're just trying to be helpful, right? It's just it was a little off. Or you notice that the silverware is not your great-grandmother's. And you go into the kitchen and you sort of act like you're helping, but your mission is to say, why aren't you using Grandma Johnson's silverware this year? And then that's the next tension. Or you get there and you're a one and the Christmas tree is up, but it's not decorated yet. And you say something like, oh, didn't have time to decorate? (laughs) So ones, I'm going to pick on every number so you can just take a cleansing deep breath because all's well. But I'm just saying the best thing you can do is recognize that if you're focused on what's right or wrong or what needs improvement, you need to not talk. Just don't talk. And if you're not in your home, don't touch things. It's like the little kids. When you tell them not to touch, just think, don't touch. Don't, don't touch that. So here's the next move for ones. You're the one son, and you're having your siblings and their families and your parents for Thanksgiving. And for some reason, you thought it would be a good idea to have ham when your family has always had turkey. So I'm just going to tell you, if you're going to change family tradition, tell people ahead of time. Just want you to know we're having ham this year. If you can't live without turkey, bring one. Because if we would communicate ahead of the holidays, things that represent change, 
People don't like change. And they don't like change during the holidays. So if you're going to change something, then just let everybody know that you're going to make a change. And then, ones, after you've managed yourself through all of that, look for what's right. Look around for what's right. And don't say anything right then. Hold that for when you're noticing something that's wrong. And say what's right instead. It changes the day. Twos, helping others. So Whitney is probably not thrilled that at, she's a one and I'm her two mother-in-law. So she's probably not thrilled that as we opened the live stream podcast, I'm finding a seat for her. She's a grown woman who's capable of managing, finding a chair for herself. She's pretty patient with me. But, you know, that's, that's how I see I get involved in helping with things that aren't mine to do. And I get involved in making arrangements for people in the room that are not mine to arrange. And as a two, what I focus on is where my feelings go. And I feel other people's feelings. So where my feelings go is to somebody, I don't generally pick up on the joyous feelings of other people. Normally I know who's upset or who's hurt or who's sad. And then, by golly, I just run right over and get myself involved in how I might be helpful. So there's one human in our family that might need my help, and she's one. And the rest of them, can fend for themselves in terms of relationally. And I generally make things worse instead of better. So twos, when you're moving towards somebody to help them, these are some things you need to ask yourself. Why am I moving over there? What do I expect the response to my help to be? This is the big one. Does the other person want my help? And you'd be surprised at how frequently the person doesn't want my help and doesn't need my help, right? All right, threes. What happens when you are in those situations is you are most comfortable doing, 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 doing. And that's okay. Just be sure that the things that you do, you do at the behest of whatever the host or hostess wants you to do. Because if you're not careful, you'll find yourself ahead of everybody because you do things faster than other numbers do. And then when you get ahead of people, then what they're thinking is, I would have gotten to that. I didn't have a chance to get to it. And actually, that's my potato salad. (laughs) Right? That's what we do. You've got to be mindful if you're moving faster than everybody else to just slow down. All right, fours. What fours focus on when they walk into any room, anywhere, anytime is what's missing. Okay, now for those of you who have managed to put together a holiday meal for four or 40, the very last thing that you want is to hear what's missing. And normally fours intuitively, not thoughtfully, but intuitively open the conversation with... Did you mean to only have the jelly kind of, what's that stuff called? Cranberries Cranberries and not the kind with cranberries in it. Because the four looked at the table and they focus on that. But that's just a warm up. (laughs) 
because fours continue to be focused on what's missing, and as a result, they miss what's there. They focus on who's not talking to them, and they miss who is talking to them. They focus on the information that they didn't have, and they don't focus on the information that they did have. So fours, as soon as you start with that, what's missing, and then there's the if only. So let's say that there are four children in a family, adult children, and one of them is not yet in a relationship or not in a relationship at holiday time, and that person happens to be a four. For the entire day, because relationships are the most important thing to fours, so for the entire day, fours are going to be focused on, if only I wasn't here alone. If only I was here with Brad. If only Brad wasn't spending Thanksgiving with her. Now you see where that goes? <laughs> That's bad, bad. That, that once her is in there, then it's really bad. So fours, you can make up your mind before you start the day that you are going to focus on what is and not on what is lacking or what's missing. And you can train yourself, if you look at something and you think of what's missing, just decide, I'm not going to go with that. Fives. You will be focused on protecting your privacy, planning for your privacy, planning for your personal space. So one of my favorite people on the planet is here tonight, and he lives in North Carolina. And uh, we were in the office. I was going over my notes and getting my mic and all that stuff. And I said to uh, Laura, where's Tate? And she said, back by the door. (laughs) Where else would he be? (laughs) Because that's where fives are. Don't ask a five to sit on the bench seat of a big long table between other people. (laughs) So all you have to do is think, give the five an exit. Now, fives, once you figure out where the exits are and you've planned your day so that you have an exit, then you can stay and be present with everybody. You don't have to stay by the exit. You know where it is. You don't have to stay with your exit plan. You know what it is. So let's talk about that for a minute. Eights have the most energy of all numbers. Nines have the least. But fives have a measured amount of energy every day. And it's this much. And every encounter with somebody else costs them energy. Every phone call, every hug, every I'm so glad to see you, every we missed you at Easter, every, every, everything. And so five start the day knowing that if they make it on the amount of energy they have, it'll be a miracle. So they don't want to waste it because it's a big day with lots of people. And if there aren't a lot of people, there are a lot of expectations that take the place of people. And so fives have to have some space. So if you love a five, then you say, I know you need space. Every once in a while, why don't you just go into a back room? If anybody asks where you are, I'll just tell them you'll be right back. You get to have the things that you need to make it through a day without it being a whipping. I think it's still going to be part of a whipping, but we can all try. And I'm hoping that because we're together tonight, there's a chance it's just going to be the best holiday ever. All right, sixes walk in the room and they're mindful of what's threatening or dangerous. What could go wrong? What did I do wrong? What did I not bring that I was supposed to bring? Are the children safe? Is there a children's table? What kind of table is it? 
Oh, oh, it goes on and on. Enneagram 101. You can never change how you see. All you can do is change what you do with how you see. Right? So you don't show up if your child has an allergy. You don't show up at a holiday and then say, I hope nobody brought. You get in touch with everybody ahead of time and say, please don't bring. Right? All the things that we can do ahead of time that make the day so much better and so much easier. All right. Sevens. What you focus on is what's pleasurable or enjoyable. And you keep checking in with your backup plan. You know, sevens, a whole day with a lot of people and other people's agendas like that is a major commitment. And sevens are there because they're dutiful. So sevens always, 100% of the time, always, always, always have a backup plan. And the backup plan is also an exit plan. And the reality is for most events, sevens are fully present for two-thirds. But then when it gets close to the ending time, they start thinking about what they're going to do next. And then they think about how much fun that's going to be. And then they think about how great it might be to go just a little early. So don't, don't give yourself that. Let, leave the backup plan at the door and you work on um, being mindful of being present to everybody in the room. Eights. Eights walk in the room with a big idea around, I'm glad I'm here. I wonder what I need to do to kind of get everything handled, to get everybody headed in the right direction and to make sure that we get things done the way we plan to do them. And if you're a male eight and you do that, people think it's charming. And if you're a female eight and you do that, people don't think it's charming. So they say, they say to one another or to themselves. She does that all the time. She just comes in and takes over. So eight, you need to figure out what you're going to do at your home or at anybody else's that leaves room for other people at the table. What am I going to do? Not at the literal table. That leaves room for other people to do their part. That leaves room for other people to have a chance to host or to make the gravy this year. I make the gravy every year, actually, because my children don't know how yet. I'm losing hope. <laughs> I think I'm going to be making gravy for a long, long time. And uh, three years ago, I made gravy with what was in the canister, and it looked like flour. It was powdered sugar. <laughs> I worked and worked and worked and worked on that gravy with powdered sugar. And now... Yeah. We talk about that every Thanksgiving while I make the gravy. All right. <clears throat> Nines. Nines walk in the room aware of other people's agendas, other people's preferences, and they leave their own at the door. And then they don't remember holidays. And the reason they don't remember holidays is because they don't do the things they want to do on holidays. They just merge with other people and do the things that other people want to do. So nines don't do that. 
walk in with two preferences for the day. And then as time unfolds, try for one of them, just one. And it'll change that experience for you. Now I'm going to run back through real quick and just say, if you're not careful, then your memories of the holidays are bad memories. Are you taking over? No, I'm aware of other people's preferences. And our son wants me to move your microphone thing. So, excuse me, just a moment. I'm sure y'all are all going to watch when you could look at each other. Well, chat among yourselves. Just pop in a little bit. This puts me on live thing too, you know. I appreciate it. It's just popping some. Okay, is it my earring? No, it's that antenna, I think, and whatever. All righty. I love you. I'm glad you talked about nines. I'm going to come. If you ever want to put your hands up my blouse again, you just come right on over here. I'm going to cut away from these shenanigans real quick. Those of you who don't know, Joe used to be a Catholic priest. (laughs) And he was celibate until he was 40, so we're young in certain parts of life. All right. Now listen, because this is real important. Nines forget holidays because they didn't say their preferences. Eights forget holidays because they were more often in charge than present. Sevens forget holidays because they reframe every negative into a positive that fast. So in my family, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the rest of us will remember Thanksgiving one way. And if anything conflictual happens, and it will, if anything happens, then we will all remember it. But Joel, as a seven, will have reframed it immediately, and he just won't remember. It, it will not be the Thanksgiving that he had. Um, I need seven. Sixes. Uh, sixes, if you're not careful, you will remember holidays by talking about the disaster that was avoided. And when that's where your focus is, you miss all the good stuff that happened. Fives, if you're not careful, you will remember holidays for what happened when you got way down here in energy level instead of for all the things that happened before you got there. And for those of you who want to say to fives, you know, you just need to stay home the day before and rest up. That doesn't work that way. This kind of energy is like manna. You get the same amount every day and you don't, you can't save up. You don't get any extra. So get, just cut five some slack. Fours. If you're not careful, your memory of the holiday will be what didn't happen instead of what did. Threes. If you're not careful, you will feel like there was something that you should have, could have, would have done to make things right. Feel like a failure because you didn't. So be careful. Twos, you'll be tired and whiny from doing things all day that nobody asked you to do. And you'll martyr a little bit. Like I can see it now. Oh, Giuseppe, holidays make me so tired. My feet hurt. I did da 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 and he says, was that yours to do, honey? <laughs> and ones, if you're not careful, then you'll be mindful of what didn't work and what wasn't right instead of all the things that did work and that were right. Okay. Part two. That was the easy part, by the way. So if that was tricky for you, then you need to buck up. <laughs> <clears throat> These are stop signs. So if I could put 
in your brain what I'm about to talk to you about and have you literally stop when these things happen, it would change your life. But you got to stop. Stop means stop. Don't finish the sentence. Don't say one more thing. Stop. Sit down on your hands and shut your mouth and let a little time pass. Okay, here we go. Once, <clears throat> you need to stop when you're becoming frantic about some goal that you set for yourself. One of the biggest problems for ones during the holidays is their connection to most things is the ideal. So if, if it's a successful holiday, everything will have happened like this. And it will be so great. And everything will fall just right. Everyone will be on time. Everybody will help. Everybody will like where they're sitting. That's never going to happen. Your mother-in-law is going to make the gravy with powdered sugar for sure that year. <laughs> right? So what you got to do is let go of the ideal in October. So we're a little late, but you can still make it. <laughs> because usually this is what happens once holidays are imagined at their best and remembered at their worst and the sweet spot is in the middle from the ideal you set goals and they have to do with television wonderful lovely snow if you're going to celebrate thanksgiving here or christmas here it's probably not going to snow. So if you take away the snow and the bow and the new car, everybody else is having the same kind of holiday that you are, right? So be mindful of getting rid of the ideal before the time comes. And if you're not careful, when you're aware that the ideal is in jeopardy, your goal of having a good day will not be met. So here's what I want you to do. Number one, once, it's okay to be angry. And the greatest gift you could give to your world is to be angry in real time. Now, that doesn't mean you have to express your anger. But it's okay for you to be angry about something. And if you can learn to do that, then you can learn to read anger when it's rising in you. But because you've denied that you're angry, you know, if somebody says, are you angry? You say, oh, no, I'm just tired. I've had a busy week or I've been cooking since five or whatever all of that stuff is. And instead of doing all of that, the option that you have is to get angry about things in real time. And then you can learn to read inside you when anger is rising. And then you can learn to not react to it. And then things will be infinitely, infinitely better. So number one, work on feeling your frustration that's about to become anger. Number two is what you're fe Once you do number one, number two is moot if you're not going to do number one. But number two is, is what you're feeling equal to the problem that you're facing? Usually not. Third, what are your voices telling you? So you start the day with waking up. And if you're a one, your critic starts telling you that you're not ready for the day that everybody's going to know that you bought the cheap crescent dinner rolls instead of the brand name, <laughs> that you should have gotten real butter 
not everybody likes. I can't believe it's not butter. Whatever's going on, it's all, and, it, and then it's going to be followed by, you never do things right at Thanksgiving time. You always say you're going to get it right, but then you don't, and you don't fix it for Christmas. So the rest of you, just know if you have a one in your family, they woke up with that. And unfortunately, the critic just never takes a holiday. So that's going to go on and on and on, and you need to be mindful of that. And then, after you're sure what the voices are saying, the next thing is, who am I trying to make happy? Is it the voices? Is it somebody who's not here? And who am I trying to appease? And once you've done all of that, it'll be 10 or 15 minutes, maybe 30 on a good day till you need to do it all again. But if you practice and practice, you'll get to a place where the holidays don't involve for you what they used to. And it'll be because you learned to take care of yourself and to not make unnecessary disconnects between you and other people. It's a day to just let it be. Twos. Stop. I can hardly say this. When you find yourself needing to help somebody else, <laughs> I was supposed to stop. Stop when you find yourself needing to do something for somebody else. There's this constant awareness for us as twos. And our awareness is the other person. It's just always constant awareness about the other person. And that's because if you're a two, your security lies in knowing what the other person wants or needs. And sometimes you get so arrogant, you think you know what they need or want when they don't need or want that. And then you try to talk them into it. Right. So let me get you something to drink. No, I don't care for anything. Well, you, surely you do. You're bound to want something. Water? Well, no, I really just had some water. I don't need anything. Well, how about coffee? Like I do that really well, but not because I've ever done it, just because I know what that would look like. So be mindful when you're making people need what you want them to need so that you can meet their needs so that you can feel good about yourself. Because that's what's happening. The reality in those moments is that you need to do something for someone else, and so it feels like it's their need. So twos, you need to learn to stop at this moment, quiet yourself, and then from your heart, ask yourself this question. What do I need right now that I'm so desperately trying to find out how to meet the need of somebody else? Now let me tell you what the answer is going to be. When you say, what do I need right now? The answer is either going to be nothing or I don't know. And most likely, neither one is true. So you ask again, what is it that I need right now? And then you, you get a chance to get that need met. But you're going to have to ask somebody to meet that need. And twos, we don't like to do that. And we don't like to ask because we're afraid if we ask and the other person doesn't meet our need, we won't know how to deal with that. It's like that's going to hurt too much, so I just won't ask, and I won't ask turns into I don't know, and then we're all back being obnoxious, helping people who don't want our help. Also, you need to be very careful, very, very careful, because 
When you are unaware of your needs, you express them either indirectly or if your needs don't get met, you generally have a physical complaint that follows all of that. So if you want something to drink, ask somebody to get you water or iced tea or wine or whatever you're having. But don't say when somebody has a house full of people that they're, everybody's trying to get along with everybody and make life work. Don't sit in a chair somewhere if you're a two and say, I sure am thirsty. <laughs> Unfortunately, my children all know the Enneagram. So they would just look right at me, adult children, and say, does that mean you want us to get you something to drink? And then you feel terrible, right? Be easier just to say, could you give me some tea? It's not that hard, but you might have to practice a little. You've got a week. All right. (laughs) But then you got weeks, four weeks till Christmas or something like that. Okay, threes. Stop when you find yourself promoting anything. Your child, your spouse, your interests, yourself. You can promote your athletic team, I suppose. But when you start promoting then what you need to learn is you're talking about something that's outside of you, so there will be no talking about you. The teaching about threes is that you're personable, but not personal. So you might want to use part of a holiday to be personal. And the other thing about you is that you want to be loved for who you are and not for what you do. But we can't love you for who you are if you don't tell us. And we already love you for all the things that you do and that you do so well. Second thing you do a little bit of is you do some projection. And that means when you deny a particular feeling within yourself, you end up with the sense that it's coming from somewhere else. You're going to have to name your own feelings or you're going to be all messed up about the feelings of other people. And another thing that you could ask yourself before the day starts and maybe during the day is, how do you see yourself as opposed to how, this is a big word, you believe other people see you? Because I guarantee you it's not the same way. Ones and threes are very hard on themselves, and that's not how other people see you. All right, fours. You need to stop when you're thinking about how different you are from other people in the room. And you are different from other people in the room. So um, when I'm teaching on college campuses or when I'm teaching somewhere with a young audience, which is more and more, uh, fours will come up to me and say, uh, you know, nobody gets me. And the answer is, that's right. Nobody does. And I used to, because I'm a two and a mama and all that stuff, I used to say to at least college kids, but it's going to get better. But that's not true, because it's not going to get better. Because fours are the most complex number on the Enneagram, and people don't get you. So hope that they can get a piece of you. Hope they can understand a part of you. And I really think one of the most important things we have to give to fours on holiday on any day but at holiday time is permission to not be happy you know we're always telling fours to cheer up you need to cheer up it's a holiday you need to perk up 
Everybody's happy. You need to be grateful. You got everything you asked for for Christmas. Well, they're not not grateful. They're melancholy. And fours are content being melancholy. They like being melancholy. What they don't like is you to you trying to get them to stop being melancholy. So don't expect them to be all bubbly and happy. Just let them have a melancholy day. And then if you love them a lot, you can learn to tell when it's high melancholy or low melancholy. We have a four in our family and I can tell in the melancholy whether or not it's good or not so good. So give everybody room to be who they are. But fours, stop thinking about being different from other people in the room. You are. And it's your tendency to differentiate yourself from other people because you want to be unique. So when you already are complex and different and then you differentiate yourself to protect yourself, I understand that's what you're doing. Then when you start to differentiate yourself, that's not helpful. So for holidays, you want to focus on how you're like other people instead of how you're not like other people. And that means... You want to watch football. (laughs) You do for just a minute, just for a minute. And then you won't feel quite so differentiated. And if you look around, half the people who are in the room watching are sleeping anyway. (laughs) So you're all good. Now, if you think I'm kidding about the football thing, if you're a male four in our culture, I'm not kidding. That's how you connect on that day. Okay? If you're a female four, try really, really hard not to differentiate yourself with food. Just for the day. And if there are things that you don't want to eat, just don't eat them, but don't talk about them. Is that okay in healthy food culture? It might not be. She didn't nod her head yes. So that may not be a good idea, but it's a good idea Enneagram-wise. It's just real important for you not to find ways to differentiate yourself. For goodness sakes, you know there's going to be turkey, right? So if you don't like turkey, bring a ham. So instead of being mindful of where you're not connecting, capitalize on where you are. You're not building a relationship for a lifetime, but you are for the holiday season. And it will work for you and it'll feel great because there's so many things about you that are so interesting and that other people so want to know. You just have to figure out when to offer it to other people. And you have an added challenge fours because you often overinterpret and overread gestures. Just assume that nothing's aimed at you. Just make that assumption and and live with it. And if somebody rolls their eyes or if somebody goes, just assume that it's not about you because it's probably not. It's just that you watch for those to go by so you can grab them. Right? You expect that. So don't. Sometimes all of us do this. Fours are most likely to do it. And that is sometimes you make yourself the outsider. And you know what? I think sometimes you do that because that's a comfortable place for you. Because you're so complex compared to other numbers, sometimes that's where you find yourself. But you know, you could make yourself the insider based on the fact 
that you're smart and interesting and creative and intuitive and that you have a way of seeing that maybe other people don't see. Fives. When you start to debate with somebody about something, stop. Just stop. When you're getting all worked up about something inside, stop. I think uh, we all would do well. I'm as serious as I can be. To decide that for the holidays, there will be no talk about politics. None. None at all. And you know what? I've learned that people connect by talking about the weather and sports. So don't act like that's not important conversation. Because not every number is ready when they walk in the door to, help, to tell you the worst thing that's happened to them since last Thanksgiving. It's like, you know, it's like, what do you think about the weather? Don't be dismissive of that as a connection. It's a good connecting point. Sports are a good connecting point. Cooking and recipes are a good connecting point. Fives, when you find yourself arguing with people and when you find yourself pulling away from people and pulling back, then ask yourself, one, what am I afraid of? And if it's the energy thing, okay, then go a level deeper. What, besides that, what am I afraid of? And then after that, ask this. What is it I want from other people in this room? Do I want them to agree with me? Do I want them to argue with me? Or do I want nothing? Because fives are in the thinking triad, so they're thinking dominant. They're losing energy fast during holidays. And when they connect with somebody else as a five, you're looking for something. You need to know what it is to see if what you're looking for, you can get met from whoever you're with in real time. Sixes. <clears throat> this one's interesting to me. I, I've observed it for a few years before I started teaching about it because it seems kind of inconsistent with sixes. But what I've found is the number that's the most concerned about the common good, which is sixes, is also the number that complains the most when they're not comfortable. So sixes, watch yourself when you start complaining. Sure, it's cold outside today. I wish I'd known it was going to be cold. I would have brought a coat. Seems like we have Thanksgiving here every year. I wonder if we should have it somewhere else. I don't know. I didn't know what to wear. And of course, I wore the wrong thing, but I, I don't know. Oh, nobody brought sweet potatoes. That's a shame. That's, that's all I like, really, is sweet potatoes. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, that is six territory. And if you're not saying it out loud, you're saying it in your head. And you know it for sure. You know that's what's happening. So <clears throat> here's the deal. Try not to think it. Try harder not to say it. And try to change the focus of what's happening in your head. Because you spend so much time in your head, you, then you start role playing in your head. I bet you, I bet you, you've already had a pretend conversation with somebody in your family that you're going to see at Thanksgiving time. Yeah, y'all look so guilty, those of you who have done it. It's like, wow, 
you know, like the sixes who have done that are cutting their eyes over at me instead of looking at me. It's a thing. <laughs> so I'm just saying, uh, these are good times for you. So here's something for you to be happy about and not complain about. Because now you can be talking in your car when there's nobody else there and people think it's Bluetooth. <laughs> I've been talking to the nobody that's there before Bluetooth. <laughs> or I do it while I'm getting ready. You know, and I'm not six, but twos can do it with the best of them too. So just be careful about the conversations you're having in your head because you as a six complete the circle. So you just don't say in your head what you're going to say. In your head, you say what they're going to say. And then what you're going to say when they say that. And then what they're going to say when you say that. And do you understand that from the get-go, you're just making up stuff? <laughs> now, here's what you just said. Well, not always. It usually happens just like that. That's what you just said in your head, isn't it? And now there are people in the room who won't look at me anymore. <laughs> and so I'm just telling you. That, uh, so sixes... Settle down. <laughs> Sevens. Sevens, you need to stop when you're planning for your next activity. Now, that might be the next activity of the day. You need to stop. Or what you're going to do tomorrow, you need to stop. It is so hard for sevens to stay with what's happening in the room. It's just so hard. And I get it, but you don't get a pass. You just have to stay with what's happening in the room. And it's extra hard because you love to anticipate. You would rather anticipate than have the experience. So how you anticipate the holiday meal is going to be, it's not going to be that good. Like I can tell you right now, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment because what you've imagined can't be realized. There never is when it's sugar in the gravy. <laughs> that's, my, that's my holiday. <laughs> it, it's missing something, though. As soon as one of my adult children says something, they all chime in. And then pretty soon, we're back to kindergarten and every abusive thing that we've ever done. <laughs> any of them. And now they, they have them in chronological order. Now Joe and I know what's coming. And Joe will look at me and say, what was her name? Johnny. Johnny and the Flyswatter's next. Sure enough, <laughs> Johnny and the Flyswatter's next. Like they just come right along. Then Joey chimes in. Yeah, Jenny got a bad haircut and she got her ears pierced three years before I got my ears pierced. I mean, I, I'm telling you, that's what I'll be doing while you're loving your holiday meal. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Takes up some time, I guess. All right, here we go. Sevens, work to find something that interests you in the moment. Just work at it. I wish I was playing golf, but I'm interested in this. I'm interested in having a conversation with her. I'm interested in talking to dad about this. Do that. You have to redirect yourself. And um, I think it'd be good for you to, to learn to ask. Um, I, I used to say to learn to ask, is there a gift for me in this moment? But sevens just say, yeah, no. <laughs> so here's the new question. <laughs> what is the gift for me in what's happening right now?
All right, eights. Stop when you begin to feel reactive. You know what reactive looks like? It starts um, here. And you start to read it in your gut a little bit. And then you start to get a little bit whipped up and you get all antsy. Then you get up and go do something to try to get that to stop. And then getting up and going to do something doesn't really work. So then what I'd like for you to do is, I want you to get up and go do something when you feel it. But once you start to walk to do something, then take immediate note of what's happening inside of you. So I literally want you to track your energy. I want you to learn to watch how long it lasts. And the reason for that is when something is causing negative energy in you, eight times out of ten, if you wait, it will pass. And you'll feel fine not saying anything. You'll feel fine not doing anything. You just have to wait. And that feeling will go by. And if you can let it go by before you open your mouth, that would be so great. Because you are already big in the room just because you're an eight. And you can say to me, I don't want to be big in the room. I don't mean to be big in the room. I know all that. But you are. And you are because of the energy that makes up who you are. And people feel your energy when you walk into a room. It doesn't matter what size you are. It doesn't matter whether or not you're talking or being loud. It's just you. So I'm sorry because it doesn't seem fair. But you're taming that all the time. I know that. Especially if you're a female eight. You're taming it all the time. So watch it rise and stop yourself. And when you get good at it, I mean really good at it, when you learn to pay close attention to that feeling, then you'll be able to follow that feeling somewhere else, and it will take you to feelings that you don't let yourself feel. And they'll usually be tender, or a little bit vulnerable, or a little more available, or a little bit less defensive. It's not easy, but you're an overachiever. You can do it. Like, make up your mind you're going to do it, and you will. Nines, stop when you're going along to get along. Just stop. Because anytime you're going along with somebody else, that means that you had to submerge or suppress your own feelings and your own choices. And a lot happens a result of denying yourself the things that you want. A lot happens from that and none of it's good. So either you go to sleep, literally or figuratively, or you just go to sleep to yourself and then you resent what happened the next day. And so I think, nines, you're going to have to make a rule that you're not going to be passive aggressive in your response that you're going to try to respond to people saying, what uh, football game do you want to watch? By telling them what football game you want to watch. And the first thing out of your mouth is, I don't care. If you're watching the children, watch the one who's just going along but not having fun. And then make sure that child gets a spot to do the things they want to do too. 
because the result of nines not saying and not saying and not saying what they want is that ultimately they don't know. And when you get to a point where you don't know what you want, then I would suggest that you only don't know in the moment. You know later when you recognize that you're resentful because you didn't get it. That's not necessary and it puts bad, bad energy in the room. So here's what I want you to work on. Um, I, started, I, I don't know what word I want to use. I'd like for you this holiday season to be aware of your resentment as you go through the day. Not be aware of what you want. Be aware of the resentment that comes from not saying what you want. I think we've all built up a whole lot of stuff around the holidays on both extremes. Either we've built up that it's going to be perfect and wonderful and beautiful and everybody's going to be so glad to be together. It's going to be so great. Or it's going to be terrible, just like it's been since 1947. <laughs> so I just have to get up and go get through the day and we're going to do the same thing we always do and blah, blah. So try to have a plan for that to be different this year. And, and then I think all of us have to ask, what is it? What is it that we gain from setting ourselves up for a day that can't happen because it's so idealized that there's no way? And so what's gained by that and what's gained by not ever saying what we need or what we're thinking or feeling during the day and then going home mad that nobody read our mind and reacted to that. People can't read your mind unless they're twos. <laughs> and we've made a commitment for the holidays not to. Because we're going to see what we need instead of what you need. So you're going to have to speak up and say. And go with a plan. Go with a plan. Go with a plan. If this happens, then I'm going to do this. Just make sure that what you're going to do is healthy and doesn't disturb the day for anybody else. You mean like flipping the table That's it. Like, don't do it. <laughs> Just don't do it. I know. I can tell you have been. <laughs> don't do it. it. Here's what I would say. If you're going to do that, I will rent you to do it on you at my holiday. And then I can, blame, I can say, who is that guy? Who is that guy who came in here and did that thing that everybody wants to do sometimes? <laughs> but other people don't do. And when you get antsy, get up and help. But you help by asking what you can do to help, not by helping. Right? Everybody got that? 